1: It's time to get outside. This is KSL Outdoors, brought to you by Trax Power Sports. Two hours of stories and information on hunting, fishing, and high adventure. Our host is Tim Hughes on KSL News Radio. Well, if you're a fisherman, or maybe you're looking to be uh, a fisherman or making the transition to fly fishing, You're going to love the next half hour. We're talking a lot of fishing. Navid will be back with us on Fish Bites. Randy Opplinger joins us. Uh, He's the Sport Fish Coordinator for the Division of Wildlife Resources. Uh, Navi stepped away for a minute, so Russ is still here with me from Sky Call. Mm -hmm. Do you want to tell us the story of getting your... Giant motorhome and trailer uh, down oh, a yeah. one-way road? or I will, because you're used to hearing these things. So. This is one of those no-before-you-go kind of things.
2: So it's me, the dog, a 32-foot motorhome, and a 20-foot cargo trailer with so, a Jeep in it. So you're 50-foot-plus going down the road. Yeah, and I'm I'm estimating about 20,000 20, pounds. Yeah, and you're on a dirt
1: road. I'm on a
2: dirt road. Okay. You're unsure where it may exit. I'm in the Fontenelle area below the dam, Okay, if any of you are even... Familiar with that, and it was busy. I I was on the road above the above that campground, and there, there's no way I was going to pull in there. Yeah. And so I just got another road that was up above everything. I got some great pictures of the river and everything at a distance. So I I, I was only going to stop for lunch, but I spent two or three hours there. Mm-hmm. Didn't have anywhere else to go. Yeah. So I got to get out of here. So the road's really good, and I start going straight and. Start going straight, and I thought there was a campground by a bridge, and I was not that far down yet. And so I ran into some private property. Fortunately, the gate was open, (laughs) and I kept going, and, and now it's turning into like an ATV road. Yeah. And my footprint is pretty big on that that thing and i'm i'm trying to stay out of the holes and everything and at
1: that point you're not going to turn you nah, you can't turn i around. said this has got to go somewhere <laughs> I
2: mean, and the owners drive in and out on it. it's got to go somewhere but i'm worried about a locked gate at the highway yeah and then what do you do yeah you get out the bolt cutters because no, far- i didn't say
1: that the farther yeah. you go
2: forward uh the
1: more you have to back that thing up yeah
2: yeah you always carry wire and bolt cutters with you in case that happens and you don't want it to happen and you know, but, but
1: you found your way
2: out. I obviously. did, I got to the road. It, what was great, I just found a whole new way to get out of there now.
1: Well, and f- part of the story you told me, and we've got to move on because yeah. we have a guest, but part of the story you told me was this wasn't exactly a flat road either. No. You got into some pitched areas that were probably <sighs> a little pucker
2: for you. I'm in a big dopey motorhome. I mean, it rolls <laughs> all over, you know. So I I took a, a couple of right turns that, that were... Uh, uh, lean to the right. Yeah. And so then you have this big dopey motorhome Ooh. also leaning to the yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. new to this. Well, you know. it's a perfect
1: lead into what we're going to talk yeah. about. And uh, this is uh, a guest we've had on before, Ariana Dufour. I'm glad to have her back from. Trails off road. We talk about uh, Ariana knowing before you go. Russ should have actually had your app handy. He would have right. known he was going the wrong way or was going to be on a long stretch of jeep trail yeah. there.
2: Could you? Could you it guys? Yeah. Could you guys start putting little little tiny notes on the map? That says Russ, not this road.
3: <laughs> yeah, we need to put notes in specifically for you. Huh? Yeah, exactly. Ariana
1: <laughs> yeah, works. Yeah, go ahead.
3: No, I was just going to say that that does kind of lead into part of our trail guides is we've got our list of concerns, and one thing that we talk about is is shelf roads and no full size. Yeah. That would would have been helpful for you. (laughs) I'm
2: never going to go on a shelf road.
1: And that's what a shelf road is, huh? What he was describing?
2: No. No? No?
3: They're they're like
2: up on the side of the mountain. Like a shelf. A shelf, Yeah. Yeah i wasn't that bad
1: yep. and you want to vo- avoid getting there because it's tough to get back if you can- if you have uh, to go back yeah. the other way um so we're talking about trailsoffroad.com there's also an app that goes along with it and i think often ariana that and i'm guilty of this too we find a handy app or we play a video game or something and we never think twice about what goes in, <laughs> what goes into making sure that thing is accurate and you just got back from uh, a discovery experience in Colorado because you continue to map some of these roads, right?
3: That's correct. Yeah, yeah. I just got back from a trip to the San Juan Mountain Range in Colorado, which is going to be, you know, the mountains around Ure and Telluride and Silverton, southwestern Colorado, which is hugely popular for off-road enthusiasts, whether you're within, you know, the side-by-side community or the Jeep community or anything like that. So we, uh, we already have quite a bit of trail guides for all the major, you know, passes and trails in the area. But kind of a big part of what we do is keeping that information up to date because everybody knows, you know, season to season, a road or trail can change drastically. And this winter was so rough on Colorado and Utah and Wyoming, you know, everybody really saw a lot of water and snowpack. So we really needed to get out there and kind of double check on some of our older trail guides and make sure they were good. So uh, my team and I headed out there for about a week, week and a half, and uh, we re-ran some of our existing trails, and we've got all new photos and video we need to work on to get those uploaded to the website. And then we do usually also try to grab some new stuff while we're out there too. So we did kind of start to try to grab some of the spurs off of the major roads that um, those are usually where you find kind of some of the good camping yeah. spots. So try to grab some new stuff too.
1: Hmm. Describe for us what that looks like. If you said your team, so do you sort of make a grid and you all head in different directions? Do you, uh, videotape it? Have you got like, um, I don't know, uh, GoPros on the front of the Jeep. That, so you, <laughs> I, I'm curious how this all yeah. comes together.
3: Yeah. And it it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of manpower. And so, um, you know, when when we put together these trips, uh, it kind of depends team members wise, you know, it depends on who's coming in from where. But we do try to divvy it up. And, and for this trip specifically, we headed out in uh, teams of two. So two Jeeps per team. Uh, And we had, you know, two to three teams that were kind of out working. And we do take time before we head out to kind of look at the area that we're needing to assess and essentially, you know, kind of make plans for, okay, uh, you know, day one, we're going to take this trail from, you know, west to east. We're going to loop back on this lower trail. Then we'll meet back up in two days. And that was kind of what we did is, in that area, each team headed out on their own for a couple of days, and then we looped back in and met back up at the, the KOA and URA to kind of have a meeting of the minds again and make sure everything was going okay before we dispersed out again. Um, you know, we kind of have a wide area that we have to cover. And then, in terms of when we're actually mapping or even just refreshing our current trail guides, uh, it is really pretty technology heavy we've we've got one person who is usually in charge of laying the gpx track so that person either is using um a, a cell phone or an ipad or some form of gps device that you know i know you can go to sky call and yes, go to russ and, and get kitted up with that kind of stuff but um so you, somebody's in charge of having a device that's laying a GPX track and actually tracking our progress. Uh, that person is also in charge of dropping waypoints, which would be, you know, kind of like dropping a pin on that GPX track and marking campsites, rock obstacles, water crossings, everything that we'd want to know about. And then usually the other person in the team is going to be in charge of hopping out and getting photos of each of those things that we're marking, um, which, you know, this last trip, uh, me and my coworker, John, we were, uh, we teamed up and man, when you're in charge of the photos, you're getting your steps in for the day because mm-hmm. you gotta, you got to be hopping in and out of your Jeep um, and running up the trail and running around, getting all the good angles to get all the photos. And um, and usually we kind of split uh, duty on video and, and it is, yeah, a lot of times action cams or GoPro DJI Osmo. We're out there with nice camera gear um, to make the highest quality content. So it's a, it's a lot.
2: Yeah. <laughs> ah. How quick do you publish this after you're done with a trail?
3: We try to be pretty speedy in in terms of, of publishing. Um, really, in general, we try to publish new content every two weeks. Now that that could be, you know, one maybe you know one week we're publishing a new trail in Wyoming. Two weeks later, we're publishing four new trails in Georgia. Wow. You know, it, it, it ebbs and flows depending on what's been uh, mapped and and captured. But we definitely we don't like to sit on it for too long.
1: Yeah, yeah. Matter of fact, I'm on the website now, which is TrailsOffRoad.com. I see uh, Imogene Pass in Telluride. Mm-hmm. I see Yankee mm-hmm. Hill Road in Central City, Colorado. Wow uh switzerland trail is that Nederland or did it say netherland i don't know
3: <laughs> most most people in the area call it netherland
1: all right uh leadville colorado Uray. ray i i just feel bad for you that you got the assignment to yeah. have to hang out around Uray ray and tell you right what what a, oh, yeah. what a yeah. bummer that is <laughs>
3: <laughs> hey, it's never any fun to go there
2: <laughs> <laughs> quick question before we go Um uh, when you go out on your own how many different mapping systems do you have running in the Jeep?
3: Um, I, I try to be, you know, kind of heavy on the side of redundancy. Yeah. I usually have um, two, well, usually I have two to three applications right. that I'm depending on, usually our own, uh, as well as like Gaia GPS, maybe Avenza or something like that. Uh, and then if I can get my hands on, you know, the local MVUM, the paper maps and wow. stuff, That's I'm I'm always happy to have those, too. Yeah.
1: All yeah. right. That yeah. sounds good. Yeah. Russ really liked you before, but he's in love with you now that <laughs> yeah. you use paper maps. <laughs> you got paper maps. Paper maps.
3: <laughs> it's redundancy is the name of the game. And <laughs>
1: it can get confusing out there. You should have seen the look on his face. He looked like, uh, like he had a childhood crush on his first girlfriend or something <laughs> right there. All right, it's uh, Trails Off-Road. There's a great app that goes along with it, too. You'll find it uh, at the Apple Store, Google Play, wherever you get your apps. Always great, Ariana. We'll look forward to the next time. Appreciate
3: you guys. Thank Excellent.
1: you. All right, we'll take a break. We're coming back. Talking fishing next. Navinovskis rejoins us here on KSL Outdoors.
0: I'm Dave Cauley.
1: All right, let's do a little uh, fish bite segment here. And I, before Navi jumps in, I, I want to remind everybody, so it's on your radar, that coming up, and I know this sounds like it's uh, a long ways away, September 16th is really only a couple of weeks. And the Kokanee Salmon Viewing Day is coming up at Strawberry Reservoir, which is a real highlight if you've never taken kids up there to see it. Uh, Have you
2: ever seen it? Oh, yeah.
1: Oh, you have? Yeah. Okay. To watch them and get to see these amazing uh, fish as they go through their life cycle, final stages of their life cycle. Kids will be a little grossed out at what's actually taking place right before (laughs) their eyes. Uh, But uh, they do have biologists up there that will explain the whole thing to you. Navi, you've been up there for that, right? And you've seen them in the wild. obviously. absolutely.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Sockeye are, like you say, an amazing fish, one of a kind for sure. Yeah. All right. What do you want to talk about? Well, I'm going to talk about fly fishing, Tim. <laughs> really? Yeah. Um, look, um, there, there's sort of a, 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 a feeling that that's out there sometimes that, you know, between bait fishermen or spin fishermen and fly fishermen. And I just want to say that there's no animosity, at least from fly fishing. And I think it's a natural end that everybody should try. But any way you get out and experience the outdoors, as long as you don't impact the, you know, the... The fishery negatively we're all friends here it's all good and um well anyway i've been getting a lot of feedback from the fish fights recently more than i've ever had and and i wondered what the difference was and, and and mostly it's that i have been telling you what's good where to go that kind of stuff and now that i'm not teaching fly fishing anymore i'm just an old guy i've been teaching from my fish bites, yeah, and I love segment. it. Yeah, I love
1: it. Yeah,
4: yeah. So people have been really liking that, and so I'm going to continue with that. And I want to go to the beginning uh, with with fly fishing, and and you know, fly fishing is fun. And is it more fun than spin fishing? Look, fishing is fishing. I love them all. We all started out spin fishing, but eventually you'll all become fly fishermen. Um, that's just the natural end of it all, and. Um, it's really great. So let's just keep it simple for people who are thinking about transitioning to fly fishing or adding it to their arsenal. Um, first off, you need to know that fly fishing takes place upstream. And I, thought, I find that interesting because even fly fishermen just swing their line downriver and hopes that a fish will bite it. And, yes, that happens. But that's not very often. I mean, you're going to spend hours to get a handful of fish. When, in fact, if you learn how to fly fish, You're going to catch fish literally on every cast, and I say audacious things that people give me grief about, but if you do what I say and listen to what I'm saying, you know that I'm really being genuine. So, fly fishing takes place upriver, and the reason why is because we access the fish from the rear, where they actually can't ascertain where we are. So. They see you fish see you like you can't imagine. If you don't believe me, how, how can fish really see you when you're on the bank when you're oh 100%? If you don't believe me, they'll eat a fly, some sort of an insect that's 4 feet out of the water. They'll come all the way out to get it in the air so absolutely they can see you. So what we do is we fish from behind the fish. So you need to know this about fish. They're they're when we're in a river, we're talking river fishing here. They orient upstream. Their heads are always in the, in the upstream current. So they might go downstream and they turn sideways and go downstream, but when they get to where they desire, they right themselves. So their heads are upstream all the time. So when you think of where they are in the river, it's not like a random thing. They're just everywhere. They are located where the current's best, where the feeding's best, but mostly know that their heads are upstream. Now they have lateral lines which are very sensitive. I call them eardrums. So they can detect vibration even though they can't see behind themselves. So sneaking up on a fish is actually easy if you come in a stealthy manner and don't vibrate. They don't have the ability to turn their neck and see you coming from the rear. So that's why we fish from downriver. So when I go to a river I might put in and go all the way up or I park at the top and walk all the way down and then go all the way up. Every foot is another fish. Every two feet is another fish. Every three feet is another fish. So you work your way up a stream, knowing that they're oriented with the heads upstream, and that's that's how you fly fish. And there are other ways we can do we can do stream fishing, streamer fishing, is like throwing a spinner, or we can we can also do um, what we call wet fly, which is basically swinging flies below us. But most of what we do, the lion's share of fly anglers is dry fly or nymphing, and I would put 70% of all fish caught on a fly is nymphing technique, and then I venture 20% is on the surface, so the dry fly phenomenon is less than 20%, some say it's as low as 10%, it's debatable, and then streamer has the balance. So the lion's share of what we're going to do is we're going to throw, essentially, insects and have them drift down into the fish. It's a veritable conveyor belt of nutrition. And the fish don't have to move around. The current just washes the insects into their mouth. And so what you have to do is to be able to present it in a fashion that it looks like any old insect that they would see on a regular basis coming into their mouth. And they don't strike it. Oh, I had a strike. I had a bite. No, you didn't. Um, You know, a worm fisherman will say Oh, I had a bite No, you didn't That fish ingested that worm And then took off And you felt the pole So you really can't feel the pole Because they don't strike it The only thing that brings it in the mouth Is the current So it's all you can ascertain Through detection Is a hesitation Yeah So as your your strike indicator comes down It hesitates And that's all you can do And you have to set them Because they're not going to hook themselves and, and that's a good start, but I've got a whole lot to talk about over the next few years before I die. Yeah.
1: <laughs> okay, and I don't want you to give it all away now. I'll tell you, when I took your class, the first thing, even that little point, that they are always faced upstream, was new to me and opened up the world to explaining how I was failing all of the time. Now, it didn't help for you to tell me that every foot there was another fish and two feet <laughs> meant two fish because that really made me feel inept because I couldn't catch any. But these are always great tips and great stuff. We're not done talking fishing, by the way. Randy Oplinger joins us after the news at the top of the hour. Our sport fish coordinator. Stay with us. That's next.
3: Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport.
0: There's desperation and anguish.
3: More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding.